Take your Bible, if you would, and join me in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Over the course of the last um, several Sunday evenings, we have been addressing the matter of or the topic of doubt, no doubt about it, and how that's connected to our faith in Jesus Christ. So by way of um, introduction while you're turning to 2 Peter chapter 1, There are some things that are easy to get started, but it's hard to maintain. For example, we're we're called Campus Church. So Campus Church meets, of course, on the campus of a Christian college, Pensacola Christian College. And um, I've often found it interesting, one of the things that I think PCC does well, and it's one of those, I don't know, hidden things. It's not one of those forefront things, but there is a beautiful campus that we're meeting on. And it is, it is um, I don't know, it's a beautiful campus. When people come and they visit, they're oftentimes taken back by the, the attention to detail, the, the, the landscaping, the buildings, the design, the, the, the overall plan. It's just one of those like, wow, what an impressive place. Um, over the course of the summer, of course, a lot of you were here and you saw it take place, but over the course of the summer, there was a lot of work that was taking place to maintain a campus that's been built. I think many times people build a building, they can raise funds or do whatever's necessary to get a structure up, but to actually maintain those structures is a whole nother thing. And there are literally, this is no exaggeration and and, um, I'm not trying to, to throw numbers out there, but literally millions of dollars are necessary over the course of, of the many years to actually keep and maintain what has begun. So you can start something, but it's a whole nother thing to, to actually keep it. For example, it's not that challenging. I know there's a lot of details that go into it. I know there's a lot leading up to it, but it's really not that challenging to get married. You can um, fall in love, you can, um, you know, meet the person, so to speak, of your dreams. And you can stand in front of a minister of the gospel and he will hold a Bible and in lofty terms, he'll say, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. I now pronounce that you are man and wife. Uh, you may kiss the bride. Okay, so the smooch happens and um, he says, may I be the first to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Um, Willard. Okay, so whatever their, <laughs> their name is. Okay, so you just got married. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? But have you ever found that, that being married, uh, getting married is not as easy sometimes as, as it is to be married? I'm not being silly about that. And, and part of the struggle, part of the challenge, part of that learning curve about marriage is one of the blessings of marriage. It's through sometimes those adversities, those trials, those difficulties that God's revealing things about us, things about each other, and we begin to grow together as one. Now you got something started, that is you're married to have in fact become one. But now that relationship is something that takes work and effort and attention to see it actually grow and form in ways that all of us would anticipate it would happen when we first got married. And isn't it interesting that God often throughout scripture uses everyday pictures for us, things that we're well familiar with, 
to illustrate Bible heavenly truths. And marriage is certainly one of those truths that we see it every day. It's, it's fleshed out, lived out before us. But it becomes for us this picture of something that was begun. That we are the, the bride. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And we've entered into this wonderful relationship with him. So many times a person is wonderfully, gloriously pronounced that we are one with Jesus Christ. We've begun something. But just because that thing has begun doesn't mean that it's just naturally going to blossom and flourish and, and it's just all of a sudden automatically going to be all that we wanted it to be. You have at that moment of salvation, you have become related to Jesus Christ. But the idea of your relationship is not settled simply because you are related. You and I know that there are a lot of people who are officially recognized as, oh, they've now entered into this, this um, agreement, this covenant of being related. But that does not guarantee that the relationship is all that it's supposed to be. We've used as the, the launch text for us a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, which says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves, know ye not, your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, Except ye be reprobates, unless you are illegitimate. There is no legitimacy to your relationship with him. So he invites us to. I, I think sometimes we're a little afraid of this kind of investigation. But you know, any true thing actually welcomes investigation. It, it's not hesitant about it. And uh, uh, sometimes I think even as, as pastors or maybe sometimes as parents, um, sometimes as, as leaders in different ways, I mean, a supervisor, sometimes we feel a little threatened by a question. But you know, God is not. And a legitimate faith shouldn't be threatened by an examination that says, hey, let's, let's um, put this under the microscope, so to speak, of the word of God. And let's see, does this stand up to examination? And so that's what we have been doing over the course of these Sunday evenings. Now, we're in the book of 2 of Peter. And Peter gets to this. He's going to cover some foundationally important truths right up front and we'll get to that but then he starts to tell us these are the things that in fact if your bibles are open to second peter chapter one look at what he does he just starts hitting some things over and over again he says things like in verse number 12 second peter 1 12 wherefore i will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. He says, okay, I know you know this already. So he's kind of saying, hey, forgive the repetition. I know you know this, but I'm not going to be negligent to continually bring these things to your attention. He, he hits it again. Look at the next verse. Verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet. That means I think it's appropriate. As long as I am in this tabernacle, he's saying in this body of flesh, 
to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. He says, don't forget these things. Skip a verse, look down at verse number 15. He does it again. He says, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease. Okay, when I put off this tabernacle, he says, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He says, listen, I'm going to be dead and gone, but I want you to remember the truths that I am presenting to you today. That's the, the desire of the Apostle Peter. So he's saying these things are really important. Don't forget them. I want you to remember them. Even after I am dead and gone, don't forget these things. So what is it that he's trying to help us to, to know? You know, the title of our message tonight is, as we're looking at No Doubt About It, the title is Never Forget. Never Forget. I hope these things, although for some they might be a little blurry right now, let's sharpen our focus and let's do what the Apostle Peter's desire was, and that is to put these things into remembrance. So what's he writing to us about that he doesn't want us to ever forget, that he wants us to always remember? Well, the first thing we see at the very beginning of the passage is first, he's writing to believers he is writing to believers. That's an important fact for us to establish. He's saying, hey, listen, I am writing to you who have what, what I have, and you have the same kind of what I have. Your Bibles are open again, 2 Peter chapter 1. Look down at verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so first, it's important to understand that he is writing to believers and they are in possession of the faith. Hey, listen, tonight, wherever you are in this building, wherever you are watching, do you have that faith? Are you in possession of that faith? That means that there was a point when you were not saved when you were not on your way to heaven, you were lost, but then you passed from death to life, never to pass back to death again. Have you been saved? Are you in possession of that? If that's the case, then the Apostle Peter is starting right out by, by saying something. He says, okay, listen, we're, I, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant and I'm an apostle. I, I don't want to get too far away, he's saying, from everyone understanding, I'm a bond servant of Christ just like you are, but, but the master, Jesus Christ, has commissioned me, the servant, with a task to be an ambassador. But our faith, while our position in him might be unique, the way we serve him might be, might be I do this, you do that, we, we all have a place in his grand scheme. The faith that we have is all exactly of the same stuff. We have like precious faith. Okay, sometimes I think we get a little, um, I don't know, we, we're thinking in ways that are unclear. How many of you have in mind right now um, a, a grandmother or a Sunday school teacher or someone that you know personally and you have great respect for the depth of their faith. How many of you could bring someone to mind right now that, that their name, their face, you know someone. I have great, the utmost respect for them and their faith. How many of you have someone like that? Lots of us do. Do they have a different kind of faith than do you? What's gonna happen to you someday if you know Christ, you're a child of God and you get to heaven 
and they, they let you into heaven. What's going to happen with your entrance to heaven? Are there going to be some people, I'm not talking about your reward in heaven, I'm talking about your standing in heaven. Like Peter, the apostle Peter we're talking about here. Pretty, pretty impressive the way the Lord used him. He preached at this, um, you know, when, when the spirit of God is given and when the apostle Peter preaches, thousands of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the apostle Peter we're talking about. I think sometimes we think like, yeah, I know, but I'm not the Apostle Peter. I'm just, uh, I'm just me, you know. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to heaven someday and I'm going to be grateful to be there. But I'm going to get, you know, the Apostle Peter to sign my Bible. You know what I'm saying? And so we think we're on these different, uh, different levels. For example, let's say that, um, let's say Dr. Zach is the um, Apostle Peter, okay. So Dr. Zach is the Apostle Peter and Jason Young is Jason Young, Okay. So the Apostle Peter, Jason Young. Now, um, let's just say we're introducing them in heaven. And I am the angel Gabriel, okay? <laughs> it's my story, all right? So I'm the angel Gabriel, and, um, and I say, don't have him sign your Bible just yet. I say, ladies and gentlemen, I am so pleased to introduce to you none other than right here in heaven today, the Apostle Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Peter. Let's give it up for the Apostle Peter. My, what a privilege it is to have you here today. So nice to have you. Um, the Apostle Peter, ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Peter. Quite, a, quite amazing. We've read all about you. I know a few failures, but you came out all right. You. Oh, the Apostle Peter, not just Peter, the Apostle Peter. So good to have you here. And by the way, Jason Young, good to have you here as well. Oh, good. A few, few family members out there, wonderful. But the Apostle Peter, ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Peter. You know, I, I know that um, because I wasn't really saying, hey, let's give it up for Jason. We wanted to give it up for Jason. But I think sometimes... We have this mentality about heaven. Like, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Hebrews chapter 11 saints. It's, it's Abraham, ladies and gentlemen. Abraham, the man of faith, the friend of God. And like, oh, that's Abraham. And uh, uh, Joshua, I don't know if you know this, he fought the battle of Jericho. Yes, Joshua, great dad. And, and I think we have in mind, we're gonna go through this list of the hall of faith believers. Oh, wow, I have all their trading cards in heaven, you know, and, <laughs> and then, you know, like, oh, hey, what's your name? Jason Young, whew, nice, okay. Um, <laughs> that's not heaven. Do you know the one that we're going to, in a sense, cheer for in heaven? Yeah, his name is Jesus Christ. And guess what kind of standing you have in heaven? You have like precious faith. And the Apostle Peter didn't want us to get very far away from that. He said the same standing, the same position, the same everything that I have in heaven is yours we share this like precious. The words like precious, it means of equal value. Sometimes we even say things like this. I'll tell you, when so-and-so got saved, they really got saved. So did they get like the, the biggie version of salvation? You know, supersize mine, if you would. Or is salvation the same for everybody? 
It is like precious faith. The one who gets the attention in heaven is Jesus Christ. Even the the rewards that we get in heaven, what do we do with them? These things that, that like, oh, hey, there is a special reward for, what do we do with them? We take those and we say, Jesus, really, the only way this was ever done through my life was because of your life. And so we present them back to the one who is worthy of the same. If, if you know Jesus Christ, your faith is just as equal as the Apostle Paul's, John Newton's, Martin Luther. Hudson Taylor, Charles Spurgeon, and any person that may have come to your mind that you said, oh man, they are great Christians. They may be great Christians, but guess what kind of substance you have with your faith? The same kind that is of equal value to all. What does he want us to to, to know? What's he writing about? Well, first of all, he's writing to believers, but let's go a little bit further. He's also writing not only to believers, but he's writing of blessing. He's writing of blessing. What do you have with this like precious faith? Okay, let's start in verse number two. Verse number two in 2 Peter chapter one. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us. Hey, here's another great little um, word to underline, words to underline or circle in your Bible. Who hath given unto us all things who hath given unto us all things listen it does not matter the circumstances that are in front of you he says I've given you all things that pertain to have to do with life and godliness there's no person in here There is no person in here who can say before God Almighty, well, I would have lived the Christian life if you wouldn't have shortchanged me. If you wouldn't have put me in these circumstances, well, these circumstances, they they are the, the problem. That's why I didn't live the Christian life I was supposed to live. That means that he didn't give you all things to handle that situation. Now, we're kind of in some some strange sense, we're kind of rolling our failure back on God because he didn't give us all things. No, he's talking about our blessings here. And then he goes on, he says, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us. What are these blessings? Exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, you got, when you trusted Christ, you got everything there there is to receive. Now those things have to be developed. They have to be explored and and expanded, but but you got the whole thing. It's kind of like the seed that you plant in the ground. It's just a little seed, but in that seed, everything that is necessary for that to grow into a strong fruit-bearing tree, everything is contained. Everything that's necessary is within that seed. That's what I got when I got saved. That's what you got when you got saved. All things that pertain to life and to godliness. So I don't have to say, well, well, um, um, I'm praying that he will upgrade me. I'm praying that he will give me that second blessing. I'm praying that I will have some further experience of, no, no, no. You, when you trusted Jesus Christ, he says, I have given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. 
You know, sometimes we wonder like, well, did I, did, did, is he really willing to give me everything that I need right now? Because I'm in a tough spot right now. And again, I don't, I don't know, but it'd be presumptuous for me to think that in a group this size, there are not some really diverse needs that are present here. I mean, some things that I could never know about. I, I couldn't preach a message about all these things and, and meet this and this and this and this. But God, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need. And he says, I've given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. And if you're wondering about, well, I think he gives these things to some people because I've seen it, but I just don't know about me. I think God has been really gracious to some folks. He's been good to them, but I just don't know that he's really willing to give it to me. Listen, if God is willing to give you the greatest, isn't he willing to give you the, the lesser? Think through what it is that he's done. The Bible says in Romans 8, 32, I don't want to steal from Romans 8 right now, but I couldn't help including this passage in our message tonight. He that spared not his own son, if God gave us Jesus Christ, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Listen, you got the greater, that's Jesus. Won't he give you the lesser? You don't have to wonder, well, I just don't know if I have what I need to live the Christian life. Yes, you do. He gave you Jesus Christ. And if he gave you Jesus, there's nothing he is not willing to provide. Okay, so what do we see? What's, what's Peter want us to understand? Well, first of all, he's writing to believers. He's writing of blessings. And he is writing now, kind of the crux of chapter one, he is writing about building. He is writing about building. He says, okay, now you've got faith, perfect. Now let's do something with it. The Bible says in verse number five um, through seven, look again at 2 Peter chapter one. Verse number five and beside this, okay, beside all these exceeding great and precious promises, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Okay. When you begin with faith, he says, okay, you've got these exceeding great precious promises. You have the faith that we have. It's the same. It's the same substance, the same quality. What I have, you have. What you have, I have. You have faith. Okay. Now he says, it's time to do something with it. And do you know that when you have faith, faith always has to express itself in action. Faith. I begin with that, it's foundational, but that's not all there is to the Christian life. That is the foundational aspect of the Christian life. That's something like, okay, this thing is gonna stand. Okay, this thing is solid. Okay, so now let's build something on it. There is something here that has been tested, tried, and true. Now, let's do something with the faith that we have. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one actually states this very clearly. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance there, guess what it means? Foundation. It means this idea of a substructure. It means something that is to be built upon. Now faith is the substructure. Faith is the foundation. Faith's where it all begins. But, but, but Campus Church, 
God forbid that we should not go any further than our faith. Yeah, faith, man, it, it is what begins and ends with, I mean, and faith, it, yeah, it is, it's by grace through faith, plus nothing, I know, for salvation, I can't add anything to that. But for my Christian living, what am I doing now with my faith? And that's what the Apostle Peter's getting at here. He's saying, okay, hey, you've got the foundation, now let's start to build upon it. And then he goes through this list. I'm, I'm not going to expand or expound much on this, but, but he goes through this list. He says, okay, you've got faith. Now let's add to it. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue is simply a thing doing what it was created to do. That's all it is. So um, let's see here. If, if um, the easiest illustration for me is, is um, by the way, I have my credit card in case you're wondering, okay? Um, a, a pen. How many of you have ever um, tried to write with a pen, but it quit working, quit writing? Okay, um, do you do this? Do you draw in circles for a little bit? Um, and then do you, do you kind of do like this with it? And then how many of you do this? How many of you do that? I do too. Okay, so, so we're trying to get it to work. What happens when it just doesn't work? You throw it away. Do you save it for some possible use? <laughs> Thank you, all right. <laughs> No, you don't. You throw it away. Why? Because it has no more. I'm not being silly about this. It has no more virtue. Because if it was created to write, then if it's not writing, throw it away because it, it has no virtue. I, I, we're going to have to move quickly or we'll never finish this. But, but God created you for a purpose. So he says, add to your faith virtue. Okay, God, what did you create me to do? By the way, I can be really basic with this. He created you male and female. So if you want to get really basic about it, he created me to be a man. He created me to be a woman. I'm going to embrace the very thing, the virtue for, with which I was created. And then he created us for all, a, a whole host of different things. So add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. Knowledge, the ability to navigate successfully. Temperance, self-control, wisely handling the pleasures of life. Oh, self-control, temperance, self-control, wisely handling the pleasures of life. God brings those across our path. How do I handle those pleasures? And then patience, that's endurance. That's the ability to handle the pressures of life. Ooh, this, is, this has gotten difficult. How am I supposed to handle this? He says, listen, all this is part of building, growing, maturing, deepening in your faith. To, um, to patience, godliness, that's just God-likeness. Brotherly kindness, loving others like Christ loves me and them. Charity, sacrificial, Christ-like love. The book of James deals with this quite extensively. James says things like, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? What he's saying is, listen, if you don't put your faith to work, it's useless faith. Why do you have it? Oh, well, I just, I want to get to heaven. Well, amen. But your faith has so much more than our safety ticket, so to speak, to heaven. He says, take your faith, use it foundationally, add to your faith. He says, this is about building. Okay, 
Now we could spend a, a long time on the building part, but for the sake of our topic and, and of our time, let's go now to why is he writing? Well, he's writing to believers of blessing about building and to what end? To avoid barrenness and blindness. Here's where we really get to no doubt about it. Add to your faith. And then he says, for if these things, this is verse number eight in your scripture. For if these things be in you and abound, if these things what? Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance. To temper. Okay, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like, wow, hey, I'm going to have all that I need. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Do you know the person who may have begun by faith, but has never put their faith to work, do you know what they struggle with? Um, barrenness, spiritual blindness. They, they have no ability to, to know for certain that they're on their way to heaven, that they don't know what they're supposed to do. They have no confidence about next steps that they're taking. They're blind. They cannot see afar off. And they don't even know that they're saved. And hath forgotten that they were in fact purged from their old sin. You know, the word barren, that word's interesting. It means lazy, unproductive, and idle. Wow, th th these people who are not like, wow, I want to put my faith to work. What happens to them? Oh, they, 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 there's some sense of idleness about their life. Unfruitful, it means just what it says. They're not producing anything. Blind, cannot see afar off. It, it means again, like I have no spiritual insight, no direction. Sometimes we use the expression, they're short-sighted. This person more often than not can see no further than their own desires, their own preferences, their own needs, they fail to see the greater, larger picture and they certainly are not seeing that the fields are indeed white unto harvest. Why? Because they, they, they have no ability to look beyond themselves. They're blind to the needs of others, but aware of the need of self. What a, what a sad, tragic place for a person to be who honestly does have a firm foundation. They have something that can be built upon, but they're not putting it to work. So now they're, they're relegated to this place of barrenness, of spiritual blindness, and they have no awareness that they are actually on their way to heaven. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing... And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, listen, you, you are not putting your faith to work as God intended and you think you're okay. But you don't know that you are in a desperately needy situation. Listen, Campus Church, what is it that we all need to be doing 
we all need to be putting our faith to work. So why does Peter write this? Well, he's writing to believers of blessings about building to avoid barrenness and blindness and to secure what we might refer to as balance. Balance, the ability to navigate successfully through oftentimes really difficult, challenging circumstances. Balance. Okay, look at verse number 10. He says, wherefore the rather. Okay, instead of being barren and blind, not even knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, okay, hey, listen, do you want to go to heaven? Like, like I don't know, you're, you're on your sickbed and you close your eyes thinking, man, the next time I open my eyes, it's going to be heaven. And you open them and it's like, I'm disappointed I'm still here. Let's get the process because you are ready to go to heaven. An entrance shall be ministered, as opposed to the person who's, who, who says, I don't know, I, I sure hope so. Oh, Lord, if I'm not really saved, then I, please, I, I want to make sure I'm saved. Lord, I, I know I've prayed this a thousand times, a thousand and one times can't hurt. Lord, please, if I'm not saved, I want to be saved. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, instead of that, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, if you do these things... You shall never fall. How many of you have ever been like just knocked off your feet before? I'm not long. This is just a couple weeks ago. My watch, by the way, at my age and stage of life, I have, a, you know, an Apple watch. And it's asking me continually if I have fallen, okay? It's not funny, okay? So it asked me, it starts beeping, beep, beep, beep. did you fall? Are you about to die? Do you need us to call? And I'm like, no, okay? So this thing is about to fall, you know, one of those kind of deals. But it keeps asking me if I've fallen and I can't get up, okay? So, so it's a little bothersome. The other day we were in the, I was in our neighborhood with my dog, with our dog, Sadie. And we have some really dear friends in the neighborhood, John and Jan. And they got a dog from the same breeder where we got our dog from. Sadie's about two and a half. Their dog is about six months. That dog and Sadie, Sadie and Maple, their dog's name is Maple, they love to play. And I mean, they love to tackle each other. And there's a big open grassy area over in our neighborhood. And we'll take our dogs over there. And, and they just, man, they run hard and fast. And they love, I mean, at full speed to tackle each other. You know, they know how to do it. They got this little nudge and a dog will, he just goes running, you know. And, and John and I are standing there just a couple of weeks ago and we're talking and, and um, the dogs are playing. They're having a great time and they come running towards us. And I mean, they are just like, boom, 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 boom. they are charging, you know, and we're standing there talking and they're just, and they're not slowing down. And at this point, it's like, you know, like, whoa, and they came and, and right when they got to me, they like turned sideways full speed. Like maybe they got together. You know, let, hey, I'm tired of tackling you. Let's get redlin', okay? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And they got to me, and I mean, they just didn't stop. They turned sideways, and my feet literally, I mean, have you ever, do you have in your mind like a cartoon type thing where a person just goes horizontal? I went completely horizontal, and then I stayed there like, I'm about to fall, you know? I mean, <laughs> boom, and then 
boom, and I landed. The reason I know I went completely horizontal, they just hit my legs and whoo, and I'm, I'm horizontal, boom, and I, I hit so perfectly flat, you know. And, um, and I, I mean, it was quite a spectacular occasion. And my watch, did you fall? Actually, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, got, I got knocked off my feet. Do you know in the Christian life, there are certainly times when, I don't know, circ- circumstances, news, um, challenges, difficulties. I mean, you, you fill in the blank. A host of different things tend to knock us off our feet. But did you realize the, the, the breadth of that promise? For if ye do these things, ye shall. And this is a promise from God. And it's the kind of promise that the Apostle Peter said, I'm going to bring these things continually to your remembrance. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, wide open, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we're talking about never fall, I I think what he's addressing here is saying, listen, because he's addressing the matter of building in your Christian walk and knowing for sure that you're a child of God. If you're building in your Christian life, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to live perfectly. It doesn't mean you're, you're never going to fail. But you know what it does mean? It means that you're always going to know who you belong to. You're always going to know with no doubt about it, I am a child of God. And when I breathe my last breath here and I am absent from the body, I am at that very moment present with the Lord. Say, how how can I have this? Put your faith to work. What are you doing with your faith? You know, every Christian should examine themselves to see whether or not they are in the faith. But after you answer that question, you may have lingering, ongoing doubts about your salvation. You say, how can I resolve that? Well, put your faith to work and see if it really does. Put your faith to work. And you know, if it's legitimate faith, the faith that you put to work actually works. And you'll find someday that you are standing in the presence of the one you were looking to see. And you're going to do so with expectancy, not reluctancy. By God's grace, we will live with no doubt about it. 